ask you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. To Luke chapter 1. And as you're turning there, let me just ask you, do you have a favorite Christmas song? I bet some of you would say the one you just heard, as beautiful as it was, right? Well, Holy Night often ranks as a favorite for many. Have you been listening to Christmas music? Did some of you start listening to Christmas music like back in October? You know, some people love Christmas music. Uh, other people, maybe not so much. Did you put together your, your Christmas playlist to listen to uh, throughout the last, the last month or so? I imagine you probably have some Christmas songs that you love to hear again and again. And if you're like me, you probably have some. You just assume not here again either. Uh, on, on my least favorite Christmas songs list would be mostly the, the pop Christmas songs that are basically the same thing as every other pop song. It just happens to be Christmas time. Um, last Christmas, I gave you my heart. The very next day, you gave it away. Ugh, Right? <laughs> I don't want a lot for Christmas, make my wish come true, all I want for Christmas is you. But then there are the Christmas songs that, that I love, especially the, the gospel-rich, soul-nourishing carols, uh, God rest ye merry gentlemen, right? We sing of tidings of comfort and joy, and what are those tidings of comfort and joy? It's that Jesus Christ, our Savior, was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray. Or hark the herald angels sing, God and sinners reconciled. How? Through Christ, by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. No offense to Mariah Carey, but lyrics like those from Charles Wesley and George Whitfield, as they fill your, your car, as they fill your home, they, they fill your mind with soul-stirring truth, and the more you think about the lyrics, the more wonderful they are to you. This morning, we're looking at one of the very first Christmas carols. It's a Holy Spirit-inspired Christmas carol. A song sung by Zechariah after he had been mute and deaf for nine months. This dear old man has been unable to speak for nine months. And then suddenly, after obeying God by declaring that his newborn son's name is John, writing on that tablet, his name is John, in obedience to the word revealed to him through the angel Gabriel, suddenly Zechariah's tongue is loosed, and this song is what comes forth from his mouth. Nine months of silence, and then this, often called the Benedictus. It's, it's a wonderful song full of rich truth. You need to understand that the words of this song could very well change your life forever. Because this is scripture. Uh, this song is holy ground. And so we ought to approach it with reverence, but also with humble hearts 
and an eagerness to learn. So look with me at the song that comes pouring out of old Zechariah's mouth, beginning in verse 68. Verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And then we have one final verse about John the Baptist. The child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Well, Mount Hermon, the main point of this song is that God is worthy of your most heartfelt love and praise. That, that's the main point. That you should love God and rejoice in God and praise God. Your heart should be full of awe and wonder towards God. You should be overcome by amazement with God. The first words of the song are, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. And everything that follows gives reasons why you should bless God. Why you should praise Him and adore Him. This song is chock full of reason after reason after reason. God is worthy of your heartfelt love and praise. There are a lot of questions I could ask you this morning. How goes it with your health? How goes it with your relationships? How goes it with your callings and the various jobs and the roles that you have? But there is no question more important than this question. How goes it with you and God? How is it with your soul this morning. When I say that God is worthy of your utmost love and praise, does your soul echo back, yes, I know this God. He is worthy of my love and praise. He's my Savior. He's my Father. He's, he's my treasure. He's everything to me. When I hear, bless the Lord, my soul says, Amen. Or does your soul say, whatever, whatever. The entire world can be separated into two groups of people. Those who have truly tasted and seen that the Lord is good and they love to bless him. 
and those who are still dead to God. That is, he means little to them, nothing to them. Or even worse, they hate him and want nothing to do with him. This whole song is a song about salvation. And so before we go any further, you need to know where you stand. And it doesn't matter whether you've been baptized or walked an aisle or prayed a prayer. That's not the issue here. The issue here is, have you truly come to know this saving God that Zechariah is blessing? Have you truly experienced a change of heart? Whereby you have experienced the love of God through the Son of God shed abroad by the Spirit of God in your soul. Are you one of the people of God? Or are you on the outside refusing to trust Him? Living in your own willful sin? Walking under the curse of His judgment? Where do things stand between you and God this morning? Don't play games. Don't believe lies. Listen to your conscience. What does your conscience tell you? Is there a need for repentance and faith this morning? Now, the main reason that we're given in this song why God is worthy to be blessed is that he has fulfilled the greatest of all his promises, the promise of Christ. You see, throughout the Old Testament, going all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, and then moving forward with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and then Moses and then the prophets, God had been promising that there would be a Messiah, a Christ, who would eventually make everything right in the world. The Messiah would come from the house of David, And he would bring about a day when God's people would live in a kingdom where righteousness dwelt. A kingdom of perfect peace. And old Zechariah realizes and recognizes that the day promised, the day of that Messiah has come and that he has the joy of living in that day when the Messiah would come. And you and I are living in the day when the Savior has now come. Look at the beginning of the song again. See this theme of how the coming of Christ is a fulfillment of a great promise. Hear the promise-keeping language. Verse 68, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Verse 70. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. Verse 71, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Verse 72, to show the mercy promised to our fathers. To remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham. You see, every great promise that God had made in the Old Testament, every great promise that God had made to any who would trust Him from Adam all the way to the days of Christ were now going to all be fulfilled in this child. Indeed, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Dear friend, God has an ocean of blessings to give to you. 
Our God can make you a forgiven person. Our God can make you his very child, his very spirit living within you. He can make you more loving. He can make you more generous. He can make you more kind. He can bring you to a heaven where you will know joy beyond words. But this entire ocean of blessings that God has, has been poured into the well called Christ Jesus. And you must come drink from the well of Christ Jesus in order to find life. In order to receive the promises of God. Zechariah understands the Messiah is coming. And in him all the promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the patriarchs of old. All the promises given through Moses. All the promises given through Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and the other prophets. All those glorious promises. They're all going to come to pass. How? In this one child. In Christ and in Christ alone. But not only do we see the promise of Christ fulfilled in this song, we see the blessings of Christ expounded. For you note takers, our main point is that God is worthy of heartfelt love and praise. Our first sub point that shows why God is worthy of love and praise is that we see the promise of Christ fulfilled. And our second point is that we see the blessings of Christ expounded. Zechariah rejoices in the many blessings that will now come to God's people through the Lord Jesus Christ. I really wanted to preach a series of sermons on this song. There's just so much to say. Instead, you're getting nuggets is what you're going to get here. We're going to just walk through each, just mention these blessings after blessing after blessing that we see coming to wonderful fruition in the Lord Jesus Christ. So number one, see the blessing of visitation, verse 68. The blessing of visitation. The Lord Jesus is God visiting his people. Literally, the word means in Greek to look in on someone. Back before phones and emails, the way you typically checked on the folks you cared about to make sure they were okay is you looked in on them. You went to see them. You visited them. And the Lord Jesus Christ, God, has come to visit us. And not just for a few decades in the first century, But by becoming man, God has made himself relatable to us in such a way that we will be able to speak with God and interact with God for all eternity. Our God is beyond us. Our God is transcendent. Our God is holy, holy, holy. He's not like us. We're feeble, frail creatures. He is creator. But in Jesus... God has taken humanity onto himself that we will be able to sit together and talk together and feast together and sing together, have human fellowship forever with God. God has visited us in a glorious, tremendous way. And that was going to be a whole sermon, but it can't be. So number two, we see the blessing of redemption. Verse 68, this word comes from the Old Testament practice of redeeming someone from debt or redeeming someone from slavery. The idea is that a person is in some sort of captivity, but by the payment of a price, 
they are set free. And Zechariah is saying that through Christ, God's people are going to be set free. Now, in Zechariah's day, the Romans rule over the Israelites. There are Roman soldiers in every city. Every citizen is having to pay Roman taxes. So many thought that the great redemption was going to be, well, we're going to be set free from the Romans. And ultimately, of course, Jesus will bring about a day when his people are in bondage to no ruler but God himself. But the bondage of the Romans was not the main bondage that faced the Israelites. And frankly, taxation and American laws and your job and the expectations of others, whatever you might be feeling like you're enslaved to this morning, it's not your main problem. Christ came to pay a price to set us free because by nature we're all in bondage to the wrath of God. By nature, we have all sinned against a most holy and good God. We are criminals and lawbreakers under the condemnation of God. The sentence has already been declared. When we die, the judgment will be carried out. Uh, If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, John 3.18, the words of Jesus, he says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. If you're not a believer, this is the biggest problem in your life this morning. Whether you recognize that intellectually, whether you feel that, whether this is what's been stressing you out or not, For unbelievers, this is the biggest problem of your life. You are in bondage to sin. Sin means guilt before God. Guilt before God means wrath. Righteous, just wrath. And dear friend, if you are outside of Christ, God's condemnation stands over you. And each day that you live in rebellion, that condemnation is heaping up higher and higher. And when it finally comes crashing down... On the day you die or Jesus comes back, you'll find that the penalty for rejecting your creator is the penalty of an eternal hell. Because God is so worthy of your your love and your allegiance, it will take eternity in hell for justice to be fully met. Why is there such joy among Christians about Jesus being born? Here's why we're so joyful about Christmas. It's because Jesus came to save us from the wrath of God. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. You want a reason to rejoice? It's not about presence. It's not about family togetherness. It's not about people having a a kind heart and giving to the Salvation Army in front of stores. Christmas is about the fact that we've been saved from the wrath of God. That we deserve hell and by Jesus we're not going there if we believe. That we get to go to heaven. That's that's what we're celebrating. That's why there's reason for joy. And we get to go to heaven and we've been set free from the wrath of God. Not, Not cheaply, but at a cost, at a price. Through the cross, God found a way to satisfy His holy justice. God found a way to display the true glory of His worth. 
while at the same time providing boundless forgiveness and mercy and reconciliation to any who would trust in Jesus. There are so many subpoints in this song I would love to preach on, but what it boils down to is this Are you redeemed? Are you a saved person? The cure for a disease doesn't help you at all until it's applied. The work of Jesus does nothing for you until it is applied to you by faith. When you stop living your own life your own way, and you recognize the love of God for you, you recognize that He's smarter than you, He's wiser than you, He loves you more than you love yourself, and you're willing to stop walking the path you've been walking and say, God, I am yours. Save me. Teach me how to live right. I'm going to follow you no matter what. That's what it means to be a Christian. And that's what it means to walk the path of fullness of joy. Third, we see in verses 69 through 71, the blessing of salvation from enemies. That when this Christ, this Messiah would come, he was going to save God's people from their enemies. And as we've said, ultimately, that will be true even of earthly enemies. In the sense that God's people will one day live in an eternal kingdom of peace. But it's also true that through Christ, the enemy of our guilt, the enemy of our sinful flesh, the influence of this evil age, that great enemy, the devil, they're all ultimately conquered for us by Christ. Jesus is going to bring an end to every evil thing. Fourth, we see that Christ brings the blessing of a display of God's mercy. A display of God's mercy. Verse 72. Do you see that in verse 72? To show the mercy promised to our fathers. So there's going to be a showing forth. There's going to be a displaying. Think of how Christ put the tender mercy of God on display throughout his life. Think of Christ healing the sick. Giving the blind sight. Causing the lame to leap for joy. Think of Christ breaking bread and showing kindness to prostitutes and tax collectors. Coming to hated Zacchaeus' house and showing grace to that man. Think of Christ raising the widow's son. The parables he would tell that called people to forgiveness. Think of how Jesus rebuked the Pharisees because they kept heaping burdens upon the people. And how he blessed those who were full of sin and yet came to him in penitent humility. Jesus welcomed the little children. Jesus taught his disciples to forgive, not just 70 times, no, 70 times seven. That is, don't stop forgiving. And then in the greatest showing of God's mercy, the greatest display of God's grace, Jesus took the guilt of all who would ever believe on him on his shoulders, and he began to experience the wrath of God in the garden. He took that agony upon him from there to the praetorium, to the house of Caiaphas, where he was beaten and mocked and lashed. And then the Via Dolorosa and the cross on Golgotha, where more than anywhere else, more than any other point in history, the mercy of God was on display as Jesus died as a substitute for any and all who would come to him. 
our sins laid on him and he fully absorbed the condemnation so that when we believe his righteousness is accounted to us and we're declared blameless in the courts of heaven. Fifth, see in this song that Christ brings the blessing of security. Verse 74, that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. Without fear. Those who have come to rest in Christ dwell in perfect security. Our souls are secure in him. Jesus will not lose one of those given to him by the Father. Everyone who rests in Christ will find that he brings us safely through the day of judgment into heaven itself. And more than that, in eternity, we will dwell in a world of perfect security. There will be no police force in heaven. There will be no military in heaven. There will be no need for hospitals and doctors Heaven will be a world without sin, a world without the consequences of sin. In the kingdom that Christ will establish, heaven on earth, there will be no more sickness, sadness, sorrow, pain, or death. No government shutdowns, by the way. Those things can't exist. In the pure, holy light that will fill all things, that will be in the midst of us. We will experience perfect love in that world. And in that perfect love, we will experience perfect security. We will joyfully serve God without fear. Do you believe it? I mean, I'm kind of just heaping out to you promise after promise after promise. And you can either grab a hold of it and believe it and find nourishment for your soul. Or you can just let it and do you no good. Do you believe these promises? Do they strengthen you? Number six, we see in this song that Christ brings the blessing of sanctification. Verse 75, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. I want to preach a whole sermon just on the two words before him. That would be very encouraging, but we're not going to do it. So we're going to talk about in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. That is, Christ is going to make his people holy and righteous. There is coming a day when through Jesus Christ there will be no greed in you. There will be no self-worship in you. There will be no more hatred in you. Don't you want to be rid of your envy? Rid of your lust? Rid of your covetousness. Don't you want to be rid of every wicked, evil thing that is in you? Christ will cause every evil thing in you to be utterly driven out forever. When you die or Jesus comes back, whichever comes first, he who began this good work in you will bring it to completion so that you will have a holy soul, a righteous soul. You will not only be eternally joyful in God, you will be eternally good, pure, through and through, from your head to your toe. You can go into the inner recesses of your heart, to those dark corners of your heart where dark things dwell in you today. There will be no dark thing in your heart on that day. Only pure love for God and man. 
Verse 79, we see two more blessings that come through Christ. We see the blessing of light and the blessing of peace. Look at verse 79. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Zechariah is speaking here of the coming of Christ, pictured as a sunrise. As the sun begins to appear in the morning, its beams of light scatter darkness away. So the coming of Christ would bring true light into this world. When we listen to Christ, we begin to see things as they really are. Jesus teaches truth. Jesus gives us the true worldview. The rest of the world flails around in blindness. The rest of the world, they can see with their physical eyes, but with the eyes of real understanding, they are blind. Christ comes and gives light. And it's not just light. He gives the light of life. (laughs) Just as you can't live without warmth, the light that Christ brings... Through his truth, through who he is, through, through right thinking, it causes us to have life. The truth of Christ brings life. The words of Christ give life to spiritually dead people. The words of Christ awaken people up. They give them a sense of God's goodness, a longing to know him, to love him, to belong to him. And the result of that is peace. When a person believes on Christ, it doesn't mean that their life gets easier. In fact, for many, when they believe on Jesus, their life gets harder. But those who follow Christ have a peace that this world cannot understand. When you truly come to know God, and here's a test for yourself. Have you truly come to know God? When you truly come to know God, there is a kind of peace that begins to affect everything about your life. It's a quiet Steady confidence in God that just sits underneath everything else going on in your life. This this unshakable confidence that he's sovereign over every situation, that his ways are always right. The path of following Christ is the path of peace. And it leads to a world of peace. It leads to paradise. Paradise. So the main point of this song, you ought to love God with all your heart. You ought to praise Him. You ought to bless Him. The three themes that that show that, God has fulfilled the promise of Christ. And then look at all the blessings that come with Christ. And then finally we see in this song, the forerunner of Christ celebrated. The forerunner of Christ celebrated. We have in this song a celebration by John the Baptist's dad about the special role that his son will get to play in preparing the way for this great Messiah. And in these words, we have not only the role of John. In a very real sense, we have the role of every pastor in these words. And in a very real sense, we have the role of every believer in these words. Look at verse 76. Verse 76. And you, child, speaking about John, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. 
So we've talked before about John's special role. How he was to prepare the way for Jesus. How? By having a group of disciples prepared and ready to follow Jesus. Almost every one of Jesus' disciples started out as disciples of John. The disciples of Jesus were taught true religion first by John. It was John who first called them to repentance and faith in God. It was John who came to those men and said, look for the coming Messiah. He's going to arrive. And it was John who pointed to him and said, behold, the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Like a messenger who runs into a town ahead of the coming king and says, town, get ready. Prepare yourself. The king is coming. Look, there he is. So here was John telling the people, get ready. The Messiah is at hand. Get ready to hear him. Get ready to believe him. Get ready to follow him. And because of the ministry of John the Baptist, there would be men like Peter, James, and John who would follow Christ and later turn the world upside down through their ministry of witness. Mount Hermon, the Lord Jesus, still comes to people today. By His Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ comes to people. He changes their hearts. He comes to dwell inside of them. Pastors can prepare the way by giving people knowledge of salvation. Preachers can preach and hearts are made ready to repent and believe Preachers can preach and people can cry out for forgiveness and find sweet communion with Christ. Like John, preachers get to have a role in preparing people to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's not just preachers. Moms and dads, as they teach their little ones. Grandparents, as they teach their grandchildren. Families in the way they celebrate Christ through their traditions, even maybe at Christmas time, sometimes get to be used by God to prepare the way for them to one day receive the Lord Jesus. As we have conversations with friends and co-workers at Bojangles or Chick-fil-A, as we talk to them about Christ, we're doing John the Baptist type work. In our daily conversations, as we get to just sprinkle the conversations with, you know what my preacher preached on yesterday, or, you know, we're going to this Christmas Eve service, what are y'all doing for me? As you find ways in your work life and in your friendships to just sprinkle in some, some little nuggets about the faith, to push people, to move people towards thinking about Christ, we are doing this preparatory work, making the soil of the heart ready, the Spirit will so bless We're so thankful to know Christ. We're so thankful to be saved by Christ. But are you thankful that you get to have a role in helping others know Him? Are you helping others know Him? Are you about this kind of work? Have you shared with those around you who are unbelievers your own story? This is who I used to be. This is what Jesus has done for me. This is who I now am. Are you an ambassador for Christ to the lives of others? And did you notice what that last verse said about John? He grew strong in spirit. All children grow up and get stronger physically. 
But John did more than that. He didn't just grow up physically. He grew in spirit. That is, this, this baby John would grow in his relationship with God, his trust in God, his conviction, his courage, his boldness, his spiritual man was growing up as his outer man was growing up. His spiritual man was becoming stronger. Younger people in this room, I'll let you decide if that's you. Younger people in this room, as you are growing physically, are you growing spiritually? Are you growing in conviction? Do you know what you believe and do you know why you believe it? And are you ready to stand on it? Are you growing in boldness? Are you learning to stop fearing this world with its silly opinions and cultural fads and to start being the light that people around you desperately need you to be? Mount Hermon, are we as a church learning to be strong and courageous? Are we so committed to loving others for Jesus' sake that we won't let anything stop us? And as we think about 2019, are you committed to doing whatever it takes that you may grow up all the more? What is your game plan for growing in spirit in 2019? Will you pursue growth in spirit for the glory of God and the good of every person that can be touched by your influence? So there it is. We have this glorious song of salvation. It calls us to bless God, to give Him our utmost love and adoration from the heart. Why? Because he sent Christ into the world and in Christ there is an ocean of blessings. And not only are we to receive Christ, but like John, we are to proclaim Christ. For all good news is worth proclaiming. And there is no good news, no tidings of comfort and joy better than the coming of Christ. I don't know why we don't sing this verse from angels from the realms of glory. But here it is. Sinners... Wrong with true repentance, doomed for guilt to endless pains. Justice now revokes the sentence. Mercy calls you, breaks your chains. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ, the newborn King. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we